Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day they came to circumcise a child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Thanks, Bethany. Hello, everyone. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to have you along. We moved here a few years ago, and the first year that we moved here, the first Christmas, everyone kept telling us about these amazing lights that we needed to go and see. They kept pointing them out to us, and, and they'd say, you've got to go and see them, but every time I went looking for them, I just couldn't find them. I'd find a, a few houses kind of with a, a few lights, and I'd think, surely that's not it. There's got to be more to it than that. And the next, it wasn't until the next year that I finally got there. People kept saying, you've got to take the kids to see these lights. They're amazing. So the next year I wrote down Nunya Drive, Banksia Park, and this time I let Google do the navigating. And I got there and I knew I was in the right place even before I turned into the street. You could hear that distant music of Christmas carols blending together, dashing through the snow, you better watch out, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? You know, there were people everywhere, every man and his dog, the lights, the sky was kind of lit up an almost nuclear glow in the distance that you could see from outer space. And then sure enough, as we turned the corner, we were hit with house after house flashing with Christmas lights, with Santa Claus and reindeers and Frosty the Snowman everywhere, wires crisscrossing the street. Who's actually been to Nunya Drive, Banksia Park? Write it down, put it in Google and go and see it if you haven't. It's amazing. It finally made sense why everyone had been pointing out this place to us all those, all those times. It finally made sense. Once you'd been there, you thought, ah, yeah, I can see why everyone was really into this place. I reckon St Kilda's Playground is a bit like that too. You know St Kilda's play, Playground? You keep hearing about it. People keep saying, you've got to go and see it. 
But then on the drive there, you're kind of like, there's mud and paddocks. But you finally arrive, and it's amazing. It's absolutely enormous, and you wonder how it is that you ever missed it in the first place. Now, sometimes it takes a lot of pointers before you finally get what everyone's talking about. Like Lego Masters. You know, to me, the idea of watching people play with Lego just sounded sounded as painful as, as it is stepping on the Lego. But eventually, there were a whole heap of things that just kept pointing to this show. You know, Hamish was on it. The kids were said it was great. Kathy, my wife, said it was great. And I watched it, finally. And I've got to admit, they were right, all the people pointing out this show to me. It was excellent. Now, I might take a bit more prompting than others, but I reckon, actually, for most of us, it often takes a lot of pointers before our attention is fully captured. Now, this is, a true, this is true for all sorts of things in life, like Christmas lights and St Kilda and Lego Masters. But I reckon that it's also true for how most of us are with God. God, he wants to fully capture our attention. And so he gives us a whole heap of things that point to him. You know, there's lots of things in life that point to God, like just the mere existence of this world points to God. And, and the beauty and, and the wonder of this world even more so points to God. Uh, the existence of, of good and truth and, and love, these things, these things, they point, all of them, to God. I remember someone saying that one morning when they were feeding their baby in the high chair, they noticed his, his little ear and just how intricate it was. And they weren't ever a religious person, but they were struck with the realisation, just looking at that little ear, there must be a God. There must be someone behind this, this little person in front of me. There, there must be some reason why this little person has so much value and meaning. What else can give them that much meaning? Nothing but God. And this little pointer started them on a journey to God. And of course, the thing is, God doesn't just want to point out to us that he's there you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not happy for my kids just to know I exist. I want a little bit more out of the relationship than that, just a little bit more. I want them to actually know me personally. Well, in the same sort of way, God doesn't want us to know that he's, just to know that he's there. He actually wants to capture our whole attention. And Christmas is one of the biggest ways that God actually does that. One of the brightest ways that he does that. In that little bit of the Bible that was read before, we see a summary of of some of the ways that God's been pointing people to him over thousands of years of history. God was pointing to himself through people like Abraham, through people like King David, through his people, Israel, and then we read through prophet after prophet who'd been sent. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, all you need to see from that bit is God had been pointing to himself with brighter and brighter lights across history. And in that bit of the Bible, the brightest light so far had been born. His name was John. He was going to be a prophet. And he was the brightest light because he would point to the one who would be the brightest of all lights for all time, to Jesus. His job was to point to God's ultimate way of capturing our attention, Jesus. And look again at how Jesus is described in this part of the Bible. He is the rising sun 
who will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. There's very little in this world that's as dramatic as a sunrise, don't you reckon? I still remember on New Year's Day getting up for the sunrise. I think I was a little bit worried about the Y2K bug, so I thought I'd just check it out. And I was on the north coast of New South Wales and I walked out along the break wall in the ocean where the sun rises up over the ocean over there. It was dark and gloomy and cold and then within minutes the sky changed from black to grey to blue to gold. Spectacular. A sunrise is almost always spectacular. And Christmas, Jesus coming to the world... Christmas is like a sunrise. It's God's spectacular way of capturing our attention. But what is it exactly that God wants us to see? Well, the first thing, if if you noticed in that reading, the first thing that he wants us to see is that there's a problem. And the second thing that he wants us to see is that he's the solution. We see both of those in that bit of the Bible. Have a look again at, at what's said. Praise be to the God to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. See there? The problem is we need redeeming. We're enslaved somehow. And the solution is that God is making a way for his people to be freed. And it also says, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The problem is we need to be saved from something. We need to be rescued And the solution is that God is raising up a descendant of King David, Jesus, to rescue us. What God wants to point out to us is knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. See, that's the problem right there. We need to be forgiven by God. And the reason for that is because we've broken our relationship with God. And God's solution is to show mercy by making a way for us to be forgiven. His solution is to fix the relationship. God's not happy with half our attention. And in fact, he he wants us to see that it's a problem that he doesn't have our full attention. You know when you're you're trying to talk to someone and they're, they're on their phone not really listening and you know you've only got kind of like a quarter of their attention? We all find that so annoying. It drives most of us nuts. And it's pretty much impossible in those times to communicate deeply and properly. Well, the problem is that's essentially how most of us relate to God naturally. Only we do it most of the time in all of life. Imagine if the most important person in your life related to you like that. What do you reckon would be the state of your relationship with them? You know, you ask them to put their phone down and, and just give you their attention for a bit, but they won't. They won't listen. They, they won't look at you. They prefer what's happening there 10 centimetres in, in front of them over you standing there waiting for them. Now, many of us, myself included, are, are guilty of this from time to time, of course, and I, I know some of you are resisting the, the urge to go like this right now. But if that was the main way we related, if that was the main way I related to my wife, Kathy. Don't you reckon our relationship would be in serious trouble? Well, if we're honest, for whatever reason, that's pretty much how we relate to God. How much of our attention do we actually give Him? 
how much of our, our hopes and dreams, our planning, our, our daily lives, I mean, isn't it true that God's not really that much on the radar? Well, that's the problem in God's eyes. He's not happy with that. In fact, he's heartbroken by that. And the truth is, it's even more a problem than that, because we don't just ignore God, we, we resist God. We don't just neglect the relationship, we reject what God wants. We don't accept that he's got the right to speak into our lives. And add all that up, and it, it means we're actually responsible for our broken relationship with him. And this, of course, isn't a relationship we can just kiss goodbye to, because every good thing in our lives is a gift from God. We depend on God for life, for every breath we take, and we'll answer to him one day. And so God rightly says to us, this is a problem that needs our attention. From time to time, I've seen relationships that are are really broken down, but they've been restored, repaired. And it always seems to take one person going out of their way, taking the first step and doing something big some kind of giving up of their own rights, you know, whether it's a marriage or a breakdown relationship at work or something like that. It always takes one person just taking the first step, even if the other person doesn't deserve it, an act of mercy, forgiveness, to break through. Christmas is all about God breaking through. Christmas is all about God rescuing our relationship with him by a massive act of mercy. It's God saying, I'm just not prepared to give up on you. Because Jesus is God come down not simply to say, hey, you've all treated me badly. He doesn't come just to point out the problem. He comes to provide the solution. He comes to rescue the relationship. And we need his rescue. Do you ever feel like life is not quite what it ought to be? You know, sometimes things can feel so wonderful in this life. But at other times, even within the same day, life can feel so frustrating and so disappointing and so confusing. This world can feel like such a broken place at times, an anxious place. Think about climate change or bushfires or flawed politicians. All of this is because we are those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. We live, this part of the Bible says, but it's like we live in the shadows. God says the result of our relationship breakdown with him is that it actually casts a shadow over everything. Even kids, you know, who are so optimistic and full of life and energy, even with all of those things on their side, they can still tell you that things aren't what they should be in the world. Because talk to almost any kid about the playground at school and they'll tell you it's like a jungle out there. It's harsh. It's cruel. It's not what it's supposed to be. And sometimes talking to my kids, I find myself thinking, why can't kids just be kind to each other? What's their problem? But of course, it doesn't really change, does it, as we grow up? Sometimes I find myself thinking, why can't us adults just be kind to each other? Why can't we end all wars? Why do relationships need to break down? Why do so many people feel overlooked and lonely Why are so many people treated badly at work? Why do we still have poverty and hashtag me too? And then even when nothing's particularly wrong in our lives, why is it that so many of us feel dissatisfied and feel like we're missing out? 
feel like life is passing us by. What's our problem? Well, every problem in this world is really just a symptom. It's a symptom of the fact that each one of us has broken our relationship with God. But the joy of Christmas is that Jesus, he's like the rising sun. He comes to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. He comes to guide our feet into the path of peace. For every problem that you can possibly think of, Jesus is the solution. Loneliness, sadness, sickness, death, injustice, evil. Jesus comes to rescue us from all these things. Jesus rescues our relationship with with him and because of that he will lead us to a place where all of those problems will disappear forever. They'll be undone or dispelled like the sun rising, dispelling the darkness. See, God doesn't half rescue a relationship. He does what it takes. He comes as a baby. He comes to die on a cross eventually so that we can have forgiveness, so that he can capture our attention fully and dispel every darkness and sadness from this world forever. Are you someone who's, who's noticed the pointers that God's given you in your life? The things that have pointed to him, all the things that he's done for you? Has he got your attention? Have you seen the pointers that God's been shining in history, shining in Jesus? This Christmas, don't miss what he's doing. He wants to know you. And once you've found him, well, you wonder how you ever missed him in the first place. Follow where he's pointing. And if you're not sure how to do that, how to follow where he's pointing, well, talk to me if you'd like, or talk to the person who brought you. If you're someone who can kind of see some of the advantages of, of Jesus and what he offers, but you're just really not sure, why don't you come back along in, in January on a Sunday, slip in at, at 10 a.m., because every week in January we're going to be tackling one of the big four questions that people have for God. We surveyed a whole bunch of people and, and these are the top four questions that people will have for God. Hey God, are you really there? Hey God, why am I here? Hey God, what does the future hold for us? And hey God, why are things so messed up? Why don't you come along and, and just explore how Jesus really does have the answer to every one of those questions. Or if you'd like to really explore Jesus in detail, in February we're going to be running a course called the Life Course, which is a, a, a five weeks in a relaxed environment where you can really see the claims of Jesus for yourself and check them out. If you'd like to do that, why don't you fill in the communication slip that's in those leaflets and place them uh, in the bags later on. But whatever you do, make sure this Christmas you see where Jesus is pointing you, where God is pointing to you. Don't miss out on the rising sun come to shine on us.